Hey, we're going to be in Exodus 19, uh, Exodus 19, one through uh, one through really eight, uh, and so I'd encourage you to, uh, you know, be ready in your Bibles uh, to just kind of be paying attention to that. We're going to be asking three questions of the of the text. I, I don't know, uh, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but. Uh, there's there's three particular questions that really you could bring to any section of scripture and, and just kind of ask those questions. Um, now, uh, there's not always going to be an answer for every uh, question uh, in every section of scripture, but these are three helpful questions. Uh, the other disclaimer is that uh, is that sometimes uh, we want to just let the uh, the scripture or the story speak for itself. Um, and not bring in our own questions. Just to be clear, I'm giving disclaimers up front. I hope that's not discrediting me. But, um, but, but we're going to ask three questions of this uh, story, uh, of this section. And, uh, and these are really three powerful questions as you are trying to read through your own Bible in a year or just read uh, Scripture on your own. Um, the, the three questions go like this, and then we'll uh, begin to take a look at them. Um, uh, first question, who is God? Right. First question, who is God? Uh, very often uh, when you're reading scripture, there's going to be something about the character of God, about the person of God. Who is God? What has he done? What is he doing? What's his heartbeat? Who is God? Second question, what has he given? Right? We have a very generous God who gives good gifts to people. We see that from Genesis 1 moving forward all the way through the book of Revelation. And so very often you can look at a section of scripture, a story, and say, what, what, what is God giving to me, to people, as, um, uh, as, as he gives in a generous way? And then the third question, what does he expect it's an important question. We sometimes just want to, uh, you know, ask those first two and not that third one, right? Because uh, we, because we like to celebrate who God is and what He's done, and and we really um, enjoy um, thinking about the good gifts that He's given to us. It's a little bit more challenging to think about. Okay, what does He actually expect? To think about how the Creator of the universe, the one that holds all all power in His hands, actually has expectations. It's a, it's a good question, a challenging question to be wrestling with. And so, so, so sometimes we want to ask that question, what does he expect? Um, now, uh, just kind of see this, right? These are all relationship-based questions. Uh, for instance, um, these are good questions um, uh, to be asking uh, of uh, your spouse, right? Uh, just think about that, right? Um, uh, who is my spouse, right? It's a good question to be asking. And sometimes we continue to learn. I mean, uh, Krista and I have only been married, what, 15 years? 16? Is it 15? 15. 15 years. <clears throat> I'm glad I got that right on the first guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, 15 years. We continue to learn new things about one another, right? Uh, so, so it's an important question. Who is this lady named Krista? It's a relationship-based question. Um, uh, and, and then to be asking, well, what has she given me? Or what is she giving me? Um, that's a relationship-based question, right? Uh, what does it look like for her to be giving me things as she walks through life? Um, that might be chores around the house. It might be gifts on my birthday. Uh, it might be uh, just bringing me a cup of coffee or a donut uh, midday sometime when I'm having a hard week, right? What, what is she giving me? And then that third question, right? Another relationship-based question, uh, re question. What does she expect of me? Uh, it's okay that she has expectations of me. Like, hey, I really expect you to do the dishes today, <laughs> 
right? I really expect you to do the laundry today. Um, I expect you to take the dog on a run so he's not crazy while we're trying to do family devotions, right? It's okay for her to have expectations of me, and, and it's okay for me to know what those expectations are so that I can respond and actually meet those expectations. See, these three questions are, are, are really honestly just relationship-based questions that are good for us to be asking in an ongoing way <laughs> of the relationships that we have, but they're also good to be asking about our relationship with God. And they really help us as we dive into Scripture and say, well, what do we see in Scripture about who God is, about what he's given, and about what he expects? All right, that was like a massive intro. Everybody okay? So let's dive into Exodus chapter 19 and begin to just kind of look at this and try to answer these questions. First question, who is God? We really see two things about the character of God uh, from, from this section. All right, the first thing that we see is in verse 4. Right, We see that God is a Savior, uh, just listen to the language, right? He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Um, you yourselves have seen what I did, right? Uh, God, the uh, first thing that he does when he gets them to Mount Sinai is he says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to just pause and I want you to remember the things that I've done. I want you to remember what you have seen me do. Um, how many miracles have the people of God seen at this point in the story, uh, uh, if, we're, if we're thinking about it? How many would you say they've seen? That's not a, I'm like actually looking for a response. Ten plus a bunch more. That's a very general answer, uh, Mr. Check. <clears throat> the answer is 15. Everybody say 15. Yeah, 15. Look at this. So the 10 plagues, 10 miracles in the land of Egypt, okay, and then the uh, parting of the Red Sea, and then they get to this body of water, and it's an undrinkable body of water, and God makes that undrinkable body of water drinkable. That's like in chapter 15, right? Chapter 16, the people of God get hungry, and he makes it rain down bread from heaven. Uh, chapter 17, um, uh, let me see if I can remember. They get thirsty again, right? And, they, and God brings this, the, uh, he, he brings water from a rock, right? And this is not like a little trickle. There are millions of these people out there, right? Millions. This is a huge gushing somehow water fr uh, from a rock to, to uh, quench the thirst of millions of people, right? And then the, the fifth one is also in chapter 17. Uh, uh, they are confronted by an enemy, and, uh, and the people are like, uh, right? They're not trained warriors. They've been slaves for 400 years. And God does this thing. He says, hey, Moses, um, if you raise your hands, then uh, the people of God will be winning the battle. All right, you know that story. And if you lower your hands, then the people of God will be losing the battle. And so, uh, you know, this is the story where Moses raises his hands, and then they, like, put a rock underneath him so he can sit, and other people are, like, you know, propping his arms up so that they can keep winning, right? This is a miracle that God does. 15 miracles by this point. And God says, hey, you have seen, you have seen what I can do. You have seen my desire to save you. You have seen my capability to save you from trouble, um, to save you from, 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 your, from, from slavery, to save you from that bag that you don't want to be tied to and connected to. Um, you see on there, it says not just Savior, but gracious Savior. It's just massively important to point out, this is not like, they, it's not like the people of God earned God's saving work. 
they were slaves for 400 years. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence in this story that says they didn't really even have a clue who God was. And yet, God comes and does this powerful, jaw-dropping, miraculous work to bring them freedom, to save them from their trouble, to save them from their oppression. Uh, God is a gracious Savior. Uh, some of us need to be reminded that we have a gracious Savior, that you don't have to earn uh, God's saving, miraculous work in your life. Uh, some of you need to remember and be refreshed by the truth that, that God is absolutely capable of, of saving you from whatever trouble you're facing. Um, you need to be reminded and refreshed that God can save, uh, sa save us, right, uh, corporately, plural, from whatever trouble we face. God is a, is a gracious Savior. Um, the, the other thing that we would say about God here, and this is in verse 5, is that he's a covenant maker. Um, I, I'm not going to talk as much about this one because uh, we're going to talk about it as we go along. Oh, I lost my page. Uh, where are we at? 19. Oh, boy. Um, uh, this is in verse 5, right? He says this, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my what? Covenant, right? Keep my covenant. So when we think about covenant, there's kind of two ways to think about that word. On the one hand, sometimes it's just a promise, right? It's an unconditional promise that God makes. He just comes and says, I'm going to do this no matter what, <laughs> right? There's no, no uh, contingencies attached. There's no, hey, if you do this, there's just unconditional promises. These are the I wills that we looked at a few weeks ago with, the, with, with this guy named Abraham. I will, I will, I will, I will, right? Just um, all the I wills that God speaks. Sometimes covenant is this unconditional promise that God makes. And, and he just comes and says, hey, I'm going to be involved and engaged, and I'm going to do stuff in your life. Um, other times, uh, covenant, we just have to pay attention to this, uh, covenant uh, is more like an agreement. So promise is one way, an agreement is another, where God comes and says, hey, I'm going to do this if you do this. Uh, it's a conditional covenant, it's a conditional promise, but it's, uh, but it's still a promise from the creator of the universe. <laughs> it's still a, a promise from the one that holds all things in his hands. And so uh, God comes and he makes covenants. He makes promises and he makes agreements. Some of us uh, need to be focused or need to be refocused or need to be reminded about the I wills of God uh, and stop focusing on my wills, <laughs> uh, on our wills, but on the I wills of God. Yeah, God is a covenant maker. So who is God? He's a gracious savior, and he's a covenant maker. A second question, what has he given? What has he given? And we would say three things as we're just looking here at Exodus chapter 19. Um, he's given relationship. It's super powerful. Look at this. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and what? Brought you to myself. Notice this is, um, th this is unconditional. <laughs> this is gracious. This is not like, um, this is not like God saying, oh, I'm going to bring you freedom so that I can have some servants. I'm going to bring you freedom to make you do what I want you to do. No, there's just, uh, the reason that God does all of this saving work, the reason he does all this incredible, miraculous, jaw-dropping work, right, is to what? Bring us to himself. That's a relationship kind of word. 
Um, before the law gets given, right, before he says, hey, this is how I want you to live, he just says, hey, I want to be with you. <laughs> I want to be close to you. Uh, who, who did all the work for that, right? God. God did all of the work to bring us close, to bring the people of God close to him, um, to, to, to begin and, and, and deepen this relationship with him that's unlike any relationship they could ever, ever imagine. Uh, some of us need to be reminded that, that we have this never-ending invitation from God to, to be close to him. This never-ending invitation that's always on the table um, to, to be in relationship with him, to connect with him. Uh, that, that he's always saying, hey, come, <laughs> I'm here, I want to be with you. And, and that he's always working to move and, and to draw you closer to him. All right, God gives relationship. Um, second thing is that God gives the law. Um, uh, uh, God, God uh, shows us the best way that, that we could do life. Um, to use kind of Lutheran language, I don't know if it's uh, particularly Lutheran or not, but uh, what God does is he gives us a curb and a mirror and a guide, right? That's what the law does. Uh, the law uh, gives us a curb so that if we start to get a little bit off track, all of a sudden the curb kind of bounces us back to the path we should be on. Um, the, the law holds up a mirror and says, hey, this is the type of person you should be. This is what you should look like, right? It shows us our sin so that we can make a change and say, oh, this hair is out of place. I better fix that right, kind of thing. Uh, the law is a mirror. The law is also a guide, where it's not just a, a curb that bounces us back, but it, it's pointing the direction of where you should go, of how you should go, uh, of what life should look like. Um, the law, um, uh, it, it doesn't just show us the best way to live. We might even say that it shows us the best way to love God and to love others. Uh, it shows us the best way to love God, um, meaning no other gods, and hey, let's um, enjoy some Sabbath rest together. Um, and, and it shows us how best to love others, like, hey, don't kill each other. <laughs> uh, don't commit adultery, right? I mean, uh, big, broad, general things, but, but we just got to see this, right? God is, is, I mean, behind all this is the heart of love. God is showing us, he's telling them the best way to do love. Now, uh, the other thing to keep in mind here with the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that follow is uh, you've got to remember 400 years, right? They were slaves for 400 years, and the only thing that they knew is do this, and they did it, right? Because they're slaves in the land of Egypt, and it was hard, oppressive slave labor. So now there's millions of them out there in the wilderness they don't know how to do life together. They don't know how to function together. They don't know what it looks like to be unified and together um, as, a, as a group of people. And, uh, and so, so God in his grace and mercy comes and says, hey, um, let me show you. Let me show you the best way to do life. Um, sometimes we need to be reminded. Maybe today we need to be reminded that, uh, um, uh, uh, that, that God has the best way to do life. Um, not the world, not social media, not media, not your neighbor, God. God has the best way to do life, and he's told us what that best way is. Um, the third thing uh, th that I would say that, that he's given to us, right, is a, is a vision or a plan. And I, I struggled with uh, knowing whether to put this in this uh, particular question or with the next question. But, but just see this, right? God has a, a vision and a plan for who his people will become. And he's trying to paint that picture for them. 
All right, just listen, listen to this language. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. <laughs> right, this is God's plan for you. This is God's plan for his people, that they would be a treasured possession, his treasured possession, not just a, but his uh, that, that there would be some level of ownership from God to the people, um, that he would be their God and they would be his people, right? Uh, uh, treasured possession, uh, the, the language here is a little bit funky. It actually means uh, pe peculiar treasure. <laughs> You're a peculiar treasure. You're a special treasure. You're a unique treasure in the eyes of God. That's God's plan for you. Right? He, he's, he's casting a vision. He's showing them uh, what he wants them to be. He's, he's trying to paint a picture and say, hey, look, this is what I want for you, to be a treasured possession, um, to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, priests uh, in the Old Testament, don't think like Pastor Dave uh, in the Old Testament, uh, a priest is somebody who has access to God, unique access to God. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to get to talk about the, the, the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there's, there's three different sections. There's the outer court, and then there's the holy place, and then there's the most holy place. Guess who gets to go into the most holy place? The pastor. <laughs> you all, sorry, you're out of luck, right? But I, <laughs> Krista, she's going to uh, scold me for that one. I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention, right? The priest gets to go into the most holy place and everybody else, right? The, the priest was representing them. He was, he was a picture of the rest of the community, but only the priest, he had special, unique access into the presence of God, into the most holy place where God was truly present, and God says, hey, my plan for you, my vision for you, is that you would, be, you would be a kingdom of priests, plural. That you all would have special, unique access to me. Not limited, but, but wide open. Right? A kingdom of priests, unique access to God. And, and, and then a holy nation, right? To be holy means to be set apart. Um, it means to be distinct or different, to, to not be like everything else. And so God wants these people to be a holy nation. He wants you to be a holy nation. Uh, which means that you don't look like everything else. You look different from the rest of the world. And that's what happens, right? When, 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 uh, when, you, um, uh, when you're following God's plan for life, when you're following the Ten Commandments, then guess what? You're going to look different than the rest of the world around you. You're going to be holy. You're going to be set apart. God is casting this vision for them. He's got this plan for who they're going to be and, and what they're going to be in the world. And he's just kind of cluing them in. Hey, look, this is what I want for you. Um, some of us need to, need to know that God has a much bigger plan and vision for our life than what I do. Isn't that interesting? How many of you would sit down and say, oh, yeah, this is... Um, uh, when I think about my goals and my vision, my plan for life, I'm, I'm not thinking, I mean, this is, these are big things, right? To, to be a treasured possession, to be a kingdom of priests, to be a holy nation. Uh, these are big dreams, big visions, big plans that God has. And it just makes me think like, man, I, I probably need to expand my dream and my goal and my my plans for myself, for our congregation, and, and, and get, a bigger, get a bigger picture. We, we need to see 
the vision, the plan that God is giving. Uh, last question, uh, what does he expect? What does he expect? Um, this is in some ways uh, the, the shortest answer, uh, but also the, the most challenging, as I mentioned earlier, right? What does he expect? Um, it's really in uh, verse five, right? Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, <gasps> he said obey. That's terrible. I'm just kidding. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession among all peoples. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, here's the deal. Uh, that word obey there is actually the word hear. So, so it just means uh, listen, right? Uh, it, let me read it again with that, right? Now, therefore, if you will indeed hear my voice, that's literally what it says. If you will indeed listen to my voice, and keep my covenant. Uh, keep means to guard, uh, to hold on to, um, to keep it close to you. Um, it, it really uh, is, hey, if you will listen and do, if you'll listen and obey. So, so just see this. Um, this isn't about salvation, right? This is about a deeper experience of who God is. This is about a deeper experience, a, a deeper relationship with God than we had before. He's already gotten them to the mountain, that's the unconditional love. He's already expressed, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. What he's doing here is he's, he's offering them, you know, the next step. Um, he, he's saying, hey, we're at this point in the relationship, and I want to go even deeper with you in relationship. I, I, want, to, I, I want you to experience me in a way that, that you haven't yet. I want, I, I want to get deeper in our uh, agreement together. I want, to, I, want to, I want to let you experience me in a, in a deeper, fresher way. Listen to my voice, obey what I say, and you will be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a holy nation, and you'll be a treasured possession. Um, that's God's plan, <laughs> and it's what he expects of us, right? He expects us uh, to listen and to obey. Um, uh, so, so uh, let's just kind of pause here uh, for a second and, and just ask the question. If, if you just use these three questions and the things that we talked about today, Exodus 19, um, how is the relationship with God going right now? We just kind of have to pause and, and ask that question, right? And actually, we'll have a chance in just a little bit to admit our sins in front of God and in front of each other. And it's a chance to just kind of come back to these things that we've talked about and say, hey, how is my relationship with God going? And the reality is that if we just kind of sit on any one of these truths, we, we probably needed to hear them today. I mean, we need to be reminded that we can lean on God, right? That he's a strong, mighty Savior. Um, we, we need to be reminded of his I wills, right? His promises, um, we, 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 need to be, we need to be refreshed um, by, by, by the things that he's given to us, right? Relationship. And, and remember like, oh yeah, I, he wants to be in relationship with me, so I should actually spend time with him. Um, uh, uh, How is the relationship with God going? Um, as I've said uh, so often, uh, we're really thankful that the story doesn't end at Exodus chapter 19. Um, or uh, even at the end of the giving of the law here, but that uh, it goes further and we get to see this guy named Jesus. And, and Jesus, if we're asking that question, who is he? 
We find out right away in Matthew chapter 1. Call him Jesus because he will, what, save his people from their sin? And, and, and who is Jesus? What does he do? He, he brings forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Um, Jesus brings freedom from, from sin and from death and from the devil. And he gives us new life. Um, when he walks out of that tomb, <laughs> he's calling you out of your tomb. And he's saying, look, this is the life that I've given to you. I've won this life, and I'm giving it to you to share. Jesus is a savior, and Jesus gives us incredible gifts. And what does Jesus expect? <laughs> Joy. That's what he expects. Because all of that work and all of those things that he's given, those are unconditional gifts, guys. It's not like... Um, you have access to this if you do these things. No, no. It's just he is a savior, and he's giving you these amazing gifts so that you can experience the fullness of his joy. So three questions that are really important to ask. It gives us a chance to consider, hey, how is my relationship with God going? And, and then it gives us a chance to look forward and celebrate the work of our Jesus. Amen? Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much uh, once again for sending Jesus. We've, uh, we've spoken that a couple of times this morning, but uh, man, we, we just thank you for your work, your saving work, uh, the miraculous, uh, powerful work that you have done um, since the beginning of time. Uh, we thank you for this Exodus story and uh, the, the, the work that you did in and, and for the people of God. Uh, we thank you for the relationship and the deeper relationship that you desire uh, with them and, and with us. And we thank you uh, oh so much for your forgiveness and for your new life. Uh, and for the, uh, the unconditional love and relationship that you desire with us. Uh, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit uh, so that we can respond to your expectations uh, in a way that's, that's pleasing to you? In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.